Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Welcome, everybody, to Battleground Live. Thank you for being in the trenches with me. You know that this show is all about saving this country, period, end of story, full stop. And the mission of this show, obviously, in addition to never quit and never surrender, is to build a movement to help save America. And, you know, my goal on this show is is to bring you the facts, bring you the truth every single day so that you can stand on that pillar of truth and fight back against the lies of the radical left and the communists who have infiltrated our government almost at every single level. The window to to save this country, ladies and gentlemen, is closing and it's closing fast. And it's going to take a united effort by all of us. And I mean, you know, most people in this country, they don't pay they they don't pay attention to politics, you know, 30, 60 days prior to to a primary election or a general election. That has to change. We we have got to focus on the direction of this country, the decisions that our policymakers are making in Washington, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I know that that is difficult. I know that it's tiresome. I know that you know, listening to these politicians can drive somebody crazy. And by the way, that goes for Republican and Democrat. Sometimes I hear these people talk on the television set. I want to pull my hair out and I completely understand that. But the reality is in politicians trot out this tired nonsense every election cycle is that uh, 2024 is the most important election of our lifetime. And and. I mean, don't get me wrong, while every election is important, this one really might be 
the pivotal moment in the in this country, a watershed moment where we can either save this country and preserve for us and our children and our children's children, a country that is free and rich with opportunity and prosperous and steeped in the free market where you're not necessarily guaranteed success, but you're guaranteed the opportunity to try as much as humanly possible in this country. You know, it's not about how many times you fall down. It's about how many times you pick yourself back up. And it's about whether or not like every time you fall, are you grabbing something as you stand up? Are you learning lessons as you go? My life really is defined by one failure after the next, but in the midst of all of those failures are unbelievable successes as well. Not just professional successes, personal successes too. I mean, you know, whether it's a the, the the marriage that I'm in now, the five amazing kids that I have, uh, the blessing the blessing of even having the opportunity to run for the House and the Senate, even though th- those campaigns may not have been successful, you know, for one reason or another. I mean, in 2020, we all know what happened, but just having the opportunity to do those things, it, it, I'm sorry, they're just not possible in any other country. You look at the state that I was in when I left. The United States military. I, I was medically retired, wounded in Afghanistan, uh, got blown up by a rocket propelled grenade and a mortar and another rocket propelled grenade, got blown up three separate times, um, had shrapnel injuries, you know, had a had obviously was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after the fact, which by the way, we all know that's a tired trope. I, I get it. Like it, post-traumatic stress, I mean, this is just me talking, but it's not a disorder. If it it's just it's it's something that is a normal human reaction to what are horrifying events. So my point is I don't want to stigmatize those who are suffering from that, whether it's from combat trauma or a car accident. But I was diagnosed with that, had a traumatic brain injury, I fractured my skull, had a cerebral spinal fluid leak. I mean, I was in rough shape. But only in America can you go from broke and broken combat veteran to getting called out by the president of the United States to run for Congress. And so many, so many people in the media thought that 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 you know, oh, that I had talked to him or I had planned it in some way. Nope, um, I had never met President Trump uh, in person or even talked to him on the phone before he did that. He just came to Western Pennsylvania and called me out randomly. Some broke, broken combat veteran who never run for a political office ever, and then riding around in in, in the convoys with the vice president, getting co- phone calls from government leaders. It, no other country is that possible. And so my point about all of this is, is that we have to fight for this country. What we have here is special. We can't afford to just pay attention to election cycles 30, 60 days prior to an election. Because the reality is, is the news cycle and these politicians are constantly manipulating and driving false narratives and trying to push legislation you know, that flies under the radar so that you and I don't know about what the heck is happening. A lot of this wildfire aid, I bet you didn't know that much of it was tied to directly in one single funding bill to aid to Ukraine. Why? To make it difficult for people to oppose funding in Ukraine, to give candidates, whether Democrat or Republican, the opportunity to go out in the campaign trail and say, see, look, uh, so-and-so voted against uh, Maui wildfire funding. But in reality is that maybe they were just opposed to funding a never-ending war in Ukraine that is not going to end in any other way but a stalemate. 
So my point is, is that these politicians on either side of the aisle are constantly trying to fly under the radar and cram things into these omnibus spending bills that we're not aware of. So we can't quit. We can't afford not to pay attention. We have to be wired into the news cycle as much as we don't like it. And I learned a really important lesson about this, a life lesson really about where we are as a country from when I was in ranger school. Now, ranger school, for those of y'all that don't know, it's uh, it's all volunteer school in the army. Um, and at, at its core, ranger school is a leadership school. Now it really sucks. I mean, you're marching, you know, 10, 15 miles a day, 100 pound pack on your shoulders, uh, eating one meal a day. They're mandated to give you three hours of sleep at night. But here's the thing. <laughs> they don't have to give you the three hours in, in like all in succession. And I learned that lesson the hard way when I was there, because I thought like before I went to ranger school, it's like, how hard could it be? You know, three hours a night. I'm in my early 20s, I can handle that. But no, they're giving you five minutes here, five minutes there, using gravel as a pillow, like making you sleep outside in, in the cold, not allowing you to wear what they called snivel gear, but warm weather gear. Um, basically, wear a jacket outside when it's cold. They don't allow you to do any of that. Um, so the beginning, Ranger School is divided into three phases. There's the Benning phase, which is in, in the beginning of the school or the patrol phase. And then there are mountains, which is in Dahlonega, Georgia. And then there's swamp phase, which is in Florida uh, in the Everglades. Um, and each of the three phases is, a, is about, you know, Ranger School is, is, six, is supposed to be 62 days. But the reality is it's far longer for people because you know, very few people make it through ranger school without being recycled. And that means either starting a phase over or they send you all the way back to the beginning to do it again. So what what's what is intended to be a 60 day school can become a 90 day school can become a 120 day school very, very quickly. And I'm telling you, it sucks really bad because you're freezing and you're starving and you're exhausted and it gets so bad that you start hallucinating about things. And in the first phase of ranger school, they have what's called rap week and they front load rap week is ranger assessment phase and they front load a bunch of the suck. I mean, now think Navy SEAL hell week. That's kind of like ranger assessment phase early on in the school. Now they're, they're making you do all sorts of tests. They make you do a physical training test, push up, sit ups, two mile run, pull ups, uh, all have to be done to a standard. Um, I mean, if you're not going down with, with push ups and sometimes there are eyes, the ranger instructors will mess with you. Like you've got to extend your arms fully, go all the way down, touch your chest and all the way back up. And so if you're, if your arms are even bent, like the slightest, when you hit the top, they're just, you're just going one, 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 one. <laughs> so you have some ranger instructor saying that to you. And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And all the while you're wasting that precious energy and making it less likely for you to actually pass the test. So you got to do a five mile run. They take you on all these road marches. They put you in what's called the Malvesti pit, which is just like this gross, disgusting mud pit where you're saturated from head to toe in mud. And they make you roll around and all that stuff and crawl under barbed wire. Um, and you have to pass all of these things in order to make it into the patrol phase of ranger school. And I'm telling you, it's it's absolutely positively miserable because you're nonstop. And, you know, when you're in a, a SEAL, now SEAL training, I'm, I'm, I'm not comparing one or the other. Um, but uh, during SEAL training and during BUDS, most of the time you can go home at night and eat a meal and sleep in a bed. And Ranger School, not so. You are not allowed to call any family members. You are trapped there. And 
at, at, at the mercy of these ranger instructors who are just brutal. So at the end of the ranger assessment phase is, you know, it's long road march, which, out, which takes you out to Camp Darby. And Camp Darby is the place where you do all your graded patrols, where they put you in leadership positions. Ranger instructors grade you that either give you a passing grade or a failing grade. You have to pass like two or three patrols to make it to the next phase. And at the end of every phase, you can get what's called peer reviewed out of your squad. So in other words, it's almost like a real like the military version of survivor if your squad votes you out you're out <laughs> so that's like there's another element like there's another element to all of this it just makes it really difficult to make it through the school so you march out to darby but here's here's the thing at the end of ranger assessment phase you don't know how long that march is going to be and all the while it, you know in the lead up to that moment there are all these whispers and rumblings amongst the the ranger candidates now what's interesting about the ranger candidates um you don't wear rank there so i was an officer but um you know marching with privates and sergeants and uh, officers who are higher ranks than me the only thing that you wear on your uniform is your name us army and that's it no unit patches no rank you're all just ranger so um which is basically like lower than a private <laughs> you certainly get treated that way anyway um so all the while in the lead up to this march is it are, are rumors that the RIs themselves place amongst the troops about how long that march is going to be. Now, sometimes it's 10 miles. Sometimes it's 12. Sometimes it's 15. Sometimes it's less than 15. You just don't know. Uh, but we were pretty set on the time when we went to start that march. And now, again, you're loaded down with 100 pounds of gear. You're like, you haven't slept all week, eaten one meal a day. I mean, you're, it's, just, it's just miserable. Um, and <laughs> you, you start, we were pretty convinced that that march was going to be um, about 12 miles. I mean, that was what the, the Ranger rumor mill said. And so we started the march and you're marching down in Georgia where you're just marching through this thick red clay. And I'm telling you, it just sucks something fierce. It's terrible. It's terrible. And so six miles comes and goes and I'm like, okay, I can do this. Seven miles, eight miles, nine miles, 10 miles, 12 miles. We hit 12 miles and we kept going. And you can just see the look on these rangers and their faces just thinking, oh, my God, like I had convinced myself that I was going to have to go 12 miles and nothing more. And you just see that the, the ashen faces just tired and sunken in eyes. The people who are starving hadn't slept. Some of them didn't even make it to 13 miles, but you hit 13 miles and more would fall out. You hit 14 miles, you hit more would fall out, 15, 16, and so on, and more would fall out because they had set the expectation in their mind that they were only going to have to march a certain distance. But the march ended up being 19.6 miles. 19 miles to get to dark. <laughs> and I so get this, folks. By the end of it, when I finally made it to uh to Darby, I made the the mistake of taking my boots off. And this is a mistake, and I'll tell you why in a second. But I took my boots off and I looked at my feet, and instantly my feet swelled up. I mean, like with like that. And I had on the bottom of my foot a blister that went from heel to the pads underneath my toes. Not even, not even exaggerating. The entire bottom of my foot was one big blister. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. And so I had to take care of that, somehow squeeze my feet back into, 
into those boots and and drive on with Ranger School and and what was going to be like another at least week and a half of hellish, hellish patrols graded by Ranger instructors. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. We set ourselves up for failure through how we expect life to go. Well, hey, well, maybe we, we can make it through uh, 12 miles. That's all I got to do. All I got to do is 12 miles. That's it. Once I hit 12 miles, I'm going to be good. But when the march didn't end at 12 miles, people started falling out. And the leadership lesson for me was when times suck, when times are really, really rough, normal people just, they, they go by the wayside, they quit, they fall out, they stop doing it because their brain tricks them into doing these things. Your, your brain wants you to stay in a constant state, your body and your mind, you'd be in a constant state of homeostasis where you're, you're comfortable. But you have to get rid of that mindset, especially in the times that we live in now, because just train yourself not to expect anything. You just go until the mission is complete. And our mission, no matter how bad things get, is to just put one foot in front of the other. Don't expect it to end until the mission is complete. Don't expect it to end until we save this country. We hold the people who locked us down uh, from because of COVID accountable. We we hold the people who helped rig the 2020 election and the 2022 election in critical in critical states. We hold those people accountable too. We take a page out of what President Trump out of what President Trump's out of his book out of what what he's doing. That man has been absolutely relentless. I've never seen anybody go through as go through hell running for political office. And this was a guy who could have charted his own path, could have coasted until retirement, could have passed on his empire to Don and Eric and Ivanka and Jared, every member of his family, and just lived his life on easy street with Melania. He didn't do that because he chose to get involved in the direction of this country and chose to save this country. They're trying to destroy this man's life. You know, Regardless of how you feel about President Trump, that should concern the hell out of you because normal people watch that, okay, and think the people that maybe didn't make it through the the, the march of unknown distance. Normal people watch that and say, well, there's no, no way in hell I want to go through that crucible. Look what they're doing to President Trump. That guy's a billionaire. What do you think would happen to me if I ran? You, you got to take that expectation and you got to put it out of your mind. Because if you're doing the right thing as a conservative, someone who loves this country, they will come for you. All of these parents that are afraid to speak up because of the trans insanity in our schools and the porn that they're putting in our schools, they're afraid to speak up because they're afraid of how their friends might perceive them or maybe they lose friends or how society might think they're in touch. No, no. There is a moral right and there is a wrong in this country, in this world. I've told you before that America is ground zero in in the war between good and evil. There is a spiritual fight happening in this country, and America is ground zero for it. And if we believe that, regardless of what faith you believe, then you also must believe that there is a good and evil in this world, and that good is worth fighting for. And we are on the right side of that. We believe in law and order. We believe in election integrity. We believe that someone stealing your vote is a, is a very bad thing. 
We believe in the Constitution, which is essentially a contract that limits the power, the size, and the scope of an all-power centralized governing authority. It limits that. We believe in that. We believe that our rights are bestowed upon us by God, not government, by a creator, something higher than us. If we believe those things, then we can't be afraid to fight for them because everything is on the line. If you look at what these Democrats are doing right now, I'm convinced that the system, that the media, that the Democrat media complex, along with their lackeys on Capitol Hill, they're going to do whatever they have to do to keep President Trump out of power. And it doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how egregious it is. They will lie to you in the media just like they've been lying to you for the last five years. Why would you ever believe anything that the media has to say or that these Democrat politicians who are in power have to say? They lied to you about Afghanistan. They lied to you about lockdowns. They lied to you about porn being in their schools. They they lie to you about inflation. They lie to you about uh, the, the state of our economy. They They lie to you and tell you that Joe Biden is just fine, even though he's a walking corpse. They lie to you about everything. So why would you believe the next thing would be true? You shouldn't. And that's why you have to be relentless, because I just think that things are going to get bad before they get better. And that's why I want you to be ready for this. I want you to be in the right mindset here. Because when things get bad, you can't fall out. You have to stay in that march. You have to sit one foot in front of the other. I don't give a damn how bad your feet hurt. I don't care how much your body aches. I don't care how tired you are, how hungry you are, how much money you have in the bank. I get it. It sucks. And things are going to get worse. But this country needs you to stay in the fight. You have to stay in the trenches. Because it might not be us who, who suffer the loss of this country. But you'd be damn well sure our kids will. And that's something that we should all take very seriously. Look at what they're trying to do uh, with the 14th Amendment. Now, this is a bogus legal argument. Folks, it has never been tried before in American history. There is no legal precedent for this. It's just a theory. Yet the media is would have you believe that it's, quote, picking up steam. That it's some well-founded, rigorous constitutional argument. It's not. It's a joke. It's a Trojan horse to hijack our our constitution, to hijack our, our republic, to hijack your vote. I mean, look at this ABC News article. I mean, ABC News. State election officials prepare for efforts to disqualify Trump under the 14th Amendment. You know what's really interesting about this? Is that if you scroll down in the art in, in, in the article, it says that the Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, a Democrat, said that she and other secretaries of state from Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, New Hampshire, Maine, started having conversations over a year ago about preparing for the legal challenge to Trump's candidacy. Did you hear that? Democrats. It's secretaries of state in different states started communicating over a year ago about 
how to remove President Trump from the ballot should he be a candidate. A year ago. A year ago. I mean, we're talking 2020. So this is what I talk about, having your ear to the ground, paying attention to this stuff. Make sure that you're wired in because they try to sneak stuff like this by you. When you look at all the BS about January 6th and the hyperbolic rhetoric that they use surrounding what was a mostly peaceful protest, I mean, where people should have been charged with unlawful parading and and vandalism, maybe, and and maybe fined and let go. You look at the term they were using, insurrection, and then you, 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 you... you you let sink in what I just told you about the fact that they started communicating about removing President Trump from the ballot a year ago. Does it seem like maybe all of these Democrats are having conversations behind the scenes? Do you do you think that maybe the term insurrection was was used deliberately for just this legal challenge that the media is now trying to to paint as completely legitimate and constitutionally rigorous, citing mouth-breathing liberal hacks like Lawrence Tribe as the reason why it's legitimate? This is sickening. Not to mention that should they be successful, it will tear our country apart. And more than that, it's going to disenfranchise millions upon millions of voters. I mean, you're talking about 75 million Americans voted for President Trump in the 2020 cycle. Even with all of the election fortifying or rigging or whatever you want to call it, choose choose the language you want to use. Even with all the nonsense that they used for COVID, they still barely beat President Trump. Barely. And I use the term beat loosely. President Trump today is more po- is more is more popular than he's ever been. He's making inroads with communities that he didn't make before. And frankly, a lot of those communities feel completely and entirely betrayed by not just Joe Biden, again, who is a, a walking corpse, who could barely speak in a coherent sentence. Not not only they feel betrayed by him, but they feel betrayed by the entire Democrat party. Most people, if if this mugshot and this political persecution has done anything, it's that it's that they it's woken people up from this slumber. Not everybody, but enough to to make President Trump the most popular political figure in in our country, period. End of story. He's certainly the most electrifying political figure in the Republican Party in my lifetime. He's the only one who's running for president right now that has an actual base. And it's not talked about enough because these pundits and all these people will get on TV and talk about separating Trump from his base. It ain't going to happen. Do you want to know why? Because Trump's base came before Trump. Trump is just the end result. Therefore, the base cannot be taken from Trump. It's his. It's his party. And I don't care what they say about, oh, his unfavorability is as, is as high as Joe Biden. Don't, I don't buy any of that crap. Because the reality is, is that if people like Trump, they're not getting on the phone with a pollster to say, yeah, I really like Trump. Why? Because they might get canceled. They might lose their job. They might be debanked. They might lose their name. I mean, there's a million reasons out why people wouldn't be honest about that. When you have the FBI raiding people who are charged with just petty vandalism, actually, maybe even unlawful parading. I want want you to see this, this video of... I saw the Hodge twins share something about this. 
um, on Instagram yesterday. And honestly, folks, it kept me up at night. I remember talking to my, my wife, Commander Melanie, the commander of Fort Parnell, by the way. I remember saying, like, this is very, this is very disturbing to me because I, we've talked a lot about the FBI. And again, these, the, the ground, like, I have friends that are in the FBI. The hostage rescue team is the best hostage rescue team in the entire world. The, the people that there's so many people in that organization that are, are patriots, but I just can't understand. Well, I understand it insofar as it's 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 meant to send a message to anyone that was at January 6th on the Capitol to not question the narrative, to just allow yourself to be force fed BS without challenging it. But there is this video, uh, a couple of videos posted by the Hodge twins about this guy named Hughes, who was charged with um, was charged with civil disorder, trespassing in a restricted building, disorderly conduct, and in, impeding passage through the Capitol. He was raided by armored FBI agents with rifles. His girlfriend was handcuffed while they completely tossed his house just simply because he was there present on January 6th. You think that might be a little overkill? Check out this video and you decide for yourself. Hey, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Here, watch out, watch out, watch out. Why do you have to remind me? I have no idea. No. No, I'm eight. Who is it? You are here? He's one of the owners. You good? Huh? I got you. Now, I'd like to reiterate that Hughes was charged with civil disorder, trespassing, disorderly conduct. Do you really need the raid the guy with 30 FBI agents with rifles and an up-armored kits and humiliate him in front of everybody? Don't you think that might be a little overkill? Do you think the FBI might be trying to send a message, use of for like a show of force against all these January Sixers? Never mind the fact that we still don't know who the hell placed a pipe bomb outside of the RNC or the DNC. Never mind the fact that every time there's an active shooter, these people are most of the time known to the FBI, but they seem to be combing through January 6th footage looking for every single grandma who might have been there that day. Check out all the cars. Like, we're going to put it up on the screen and we'll talk through it. But look at this. Check out this video. This is his house. This is the camera at his house. Look at that. One, two, two cars. 
three, four, five, six. I mean, this is a joke. Seven, I mean, eight. I mean, this is crazy. Look at that. So eight, nine, ten cars. I mean, so eight, nine, ten cars to go and handcuff his girlfriend because the guy, because the guy did did what? Like a couple of little misdemeanors, maybe at best. We we traveled with less combat power in one of the most dangerous places on the planet in Afghanistan. Yet the FBI is raiding these people. All because they chose to protest what was a very problematic election on January 6th. And look, look, I don't excuse riots. Sure as hell don't excuse the van the, any vandalism. But there are video that's there are videos out there now that are starting to emerge of I saw one the other day of a protester with an earpiece in his ear telling somebody, hey, break that window. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. He's like, why don't you want to break the window? And the guy's like, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it might be against the law. Then the guy with the earpiece breaks the window and starts attacking the guy who refused to break the window, pushing him and accusing him of breaking the window. That's called a professional agitator. There are so many questions that that are left to be answered by by about January 6th answers that we're just not getting at all. Like were there feds in the crowd? Why have all these people been charged? Why are FBI beating down their doors and raiding with 20 FBI agents and 10 cars and completely violating this, this man's privacy, invading his home and tossing it, turning every room upside down. Why? Why is that happen? Why is that happening to this guy who was charged with basically nothing, and not Ray Epps, who is who's out there clearly telling people to go into the Capitol? So many unanswered questions, and it can it should concern every single one of us. This is what I mean, folks. This is what I mean. These people who are in charge of the system are hell bent on uh, they're hell bent on clinging to this power and authority that they have because they know that Trump in his last four years in office, doesn't have to worry about a re-election, is just going to be a wrecking ball, and they're completely and totally petrified. And they're going to do whatever it takes to help them do this, whether it's you know intimidating people on January 6th, using you know institutions like the FBI to do it, or even things like COVID, because they're desperate to bring back COVID. I mean, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. You know, they're they're already talking about lockdowns. They're already bringing back masks in, in places. They're already starting to lay the seeds for a COVID outbreak in the fall. Again, I say this all the time, but isn't it interesting that all of these these COVID outbreaks are are timed with election cycles, critical election cycles? Isn't that funny? Um, you look at what they did with like, Joe Biden. She got COVID. Um, and it was, of course, all over the news. Now, never mind the fact that Joe Biden, Joe Biden has been, you know, vaxxed and boosted like 900 times and is the first lady, arguably in the most protected location in the face of the planet. Uh, none of that protected her and all the masking that all the masking inside and outside, none of that protected her. She still got COVID and we wish her well. 
but clearly none of that helped. But here we are. It's Groundhog Day where they're just trotting out. Joe, Joe Biden, Joe Biden uh, got, got COVID. Now, how's the White House going to react to this? What's Joe Biden going to do? Are, are they going to react to COVID this time with more common sense, especially now that all the studies have come out saying that many of the things that we did, whether it was lockdowns or masks or experimental vaccines, like none of that stuff's effective. None of that stuff really works. Surely we're going to approach a COVID outbreak differently this time. And by the way, I mean, testing for COVID, is that like, is that like still a thing? I mean, are people still doing that? I mean, I, I guess some people have to because of what they do for work, but I mean, it seemed like all of this went away when the media wasn't forcing it on us and this narrative all the time and the death count wasn't on the screen every day. Most people just went about their lives. And yeah, maybe people got sick, maybe they didn't, but COVID just wasn't a part of the narrative for for many of us. And I'm not saying that COVID's not real. It's certainly real. There are things that we can do now to protect ourselves from it. We know a lot more about the virus today than we did two years ago. But it looks like the White House and, and Joe Biden and the bunch of the mouth-breathing science deniers in there are just going to do the same darn thing. Listen to the worst press secretary in the history of the world. And by the way, there have been some really, really bad ones, but KJP takes the cake. Um, listen to KJP talk about how the White House is going to deal with this latest COVID outbreak in the first family. President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And he, as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. We know that this doesn't work. There have been one study after the next that come out and said masks don't work. And in fact, if you read Deborah Burks's book, The Scarf Lady, you know, she talked about how the, the social distancing thing, the reason why it was like, what, six feet social distancing and not 10 is it's just six felt more reasonable. These people just completely made it up the whole time. Yet the White House is rolling right back there. It's absolutely crazy. It's Groundhog's Day. We can't let them do this to us again. KJP goes on and says more crazy stuff. Check this out. You know, we know that these vaccines work, right? We know when people stay up to date with their vaccine, that works. No, they don't. The vaccines don't work at all. In fact, they trot it out. Oh, if you, if Fauci, oh, if you get your vaccine, you won't be able to transmit the virus and you'll be protected next week. Well, you might transmit the virus and you'll be 80% protected next week, 50% protected next week, 30% protected next week. Actually, you'll just need to get another booster altogether and also wear two masks and not one. I mean, these people are complete bullshit artists. I'm, you can't fall for this stuff again. And if your friend, I mean, if your friends are thinking of falling for it, grab them by the shoulders and say, "What the hell is going on?" So just like you, you can't let people fall for this again. And so it's not just the White House out there trotting out this crazy COVID fear porn hysteria. These news shows are starting to trot out this BS too. Look at the View. 
Um, as you can see, Whoopi is not here. She has COVID. Yes, it's back. It's back. It's back. But she's on the mend. She's on the tail end, and she'll probably be back this week. But sorry, she's not here. For those of you who are looking forward to seeing her. Oh, my God. Whoopi Goldberg has COVID. I mean, so she's been vaxxed 100 times. She's had 10 different boosters. She wore her mask everywhere. And they're, they're, they're doing this again, folks. They're doing it again. Do not let them do it. I got to say, there was this amazing clip on CNN that, that came out uh, over the weekend after we went live on Friday and before we aired the show uh, after the Labor Day holiday, and it's just so good where CNN is questioning Dr. Fauci on masks. Um, I, I We broke this down in, into two clips, and I'm just going to explain to you my perspective on why Fauci is just one of the dumbest people, dumbest, perhaps the most educated, dumb person in the history of the world, just intergalactic stupid. Um, I, I'm serious. Like, I'm so over these people. Do you know what I know? Why? I mean, I'm not trying to... I know people, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but this guy ruined people's lives. People died because this guy lied to us. People, people had lost their life savings because this guy lied to us. I'm, I'm tired of playing games with these people, especially now that they're trying to start this nonsense again. Check out this CNN clip where Fauci is confronted with actual science, a comprehensive study on masking and whether it worked or not. Check this out. I would hope that if, in fact, we get to the point where the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything, I mean, recommends that people wear masks, I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves and to their families. And again, we're not talking about forcing anybody to do anything. Totally understood. There is a perception out there by many, how many, I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go round. Respond to that on masks. Yeah, well, that's not so. I mean, when you're talking about at the population level, that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, There's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. So let me just break. So the population level, blah, blah, blah. Now this is, folks, this is the largest, most comprehensive study on masking, okay? The most rigorous, this is a direct quote, most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illnesses, including COVID-19. It was published late, it was published late last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, no relation to to the Thomas Jefferson that we all know, but to, this Thomas Je- this Tom Jefferson is an Oxford epidemiologist who is its lead author, the author of the study, said we're unambiguous. There's just no evidence that masks make any difference. Full stop. That's a direct quote. And when Fauci's talking about, well, the pop, first of all, what the hell is he even saying? That's just word salad. You know, scientific word salad meant to confuse you. But, well, at the population level, well, at the individual level, they they work but at the population level, they don't. Let me 
okay, uh, just common sense. You know, I I get it. Like I I'm not a doctor. I don't really care. But I actually have a thing called common sense. As study, the smaller the study, the less reliable it is. So an individual is literally the smallest study that you could do, a study of the individual, which means that there are a, a potentially a million confounding variables as to why a mask maybe worked, maybe didn't. Like a million. So when you say masks worked for the individual, if that's your thesis, that at the individual level, masks work, then certainly they would work for the population in mass, right? Because one, two, three, four, five people, six people, if they're all working, then no one's getting sick and then they're effective and then they'd be effective at, at a popu population wide level. He doesn't make any sense. Listen to what he says when he's actually challenged with a scientific study, the most comprehensive scientific study done on masks to date. Listen to this. I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference he told the journalist Mayanne Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety. That's a bit different than the broad population level. No, it's not. It's not any different. You can't say that masks work for the individual and don't, don't work for the population. Those two things don't live in the same world. If they work for the individual, they'd work for the population at large. They don't. And in fact, the CDC released a graphic showing this in response to the wildfires in Canada and in Maui, that paper masks do not protect you from wildfire smoke because the particle is small enough to penetrate the mask. You know what's way smaller than a smoke particle? A virus, a respiratory illness virus particle. And they actually had an image of the smoke particle versus the virus particle. You could see with your own two eyes that if it's not going to stop smoke, why would it stop the virus? Why are we doing this, people? Where they're doing this again. They're not implementing these safety measures because they believe they'll protect you. They're implementing this stuff and foisting this stuff on you again because it will help them achieve their policy goals.
It will help them at the ballot box. In a perfect world, if they got what they want, they'd give they'd give governors and swing states emergency authority again to make the election cycle anything that they want. That's what they're doing. So everything that I'm talking about today, about how bad things are going to get, these people will do whatever it takes, whether it's you know coercing you with the FBI, scaring the crap out of you by making an example of people who were charged with civil disobedience on January 6th by raiding them with 12 FBI agents with rifles or locking you down again. I mean, this isn't just talk from idiot Democrats and mouth breathers like Fauci on TV or these talking heads on 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 MSNBC. They're really putting this into practice. In fact, a Maryland school just today, Rosemary Hills Elementary School, said that this, I'm reading you directly from the letter, just implemented a, a mask mandate in their school today. And not just any mask, N95 masks for third graders. This letter is to inform you that three or more individuals have tested positive for COVID. So, so, Here's what they're going to do to prevent further transmission. Additional N95 masks have been distributed and students and staff identified in class will be required to mask while in school. That is crazy. Despite everything that we know and how harmful mask wearing was to our children, not just psychologically, but socially. The, the the profound implications that they had on speech development in children where so much of what children learn is through mirroring adults. And, and by example of watching the way an adult speaks and learning and mirroring and mimicking, all of that was lost for years because masks were forced on our children. In fact, now there are scientific studies out there that says prolonged masking is unhealthy that it exposes you to viral particles. There's a letter right there. Uh, thanks, Brock, for putting it up. Um, but these the, these masks where you're breathing in these masks, breathing in the particles that are contained in these masks and trapping stale air to your face is unhealthy. It can cause more health issues. This is just crazy, the world that we live in. And then here, here's another article. Why a perfect storm from the Washington Post. Why a perfect storm of misinformation may loom in 2024. Folks, what does this mean? This means that all of these social media companies in conjunction in conjunction with the FBI and certainly the CIA and all these Democrats on Capitol Hill are going to pressure big tech to start censoring what they call disinformation. What's disinformation? Disinformation is anything that 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 contradicts the narrative that they're pushing on us. So the idea that that you could say, hey, look, I got issues with the way that this election was conducted and I'm going to protest it. No, they'll come after you. They'll censor you. They'll destroy you. They're already laying the seeds to manipulate the 2024 cycle on every front. And folks, this is why I'm telling you that it's going to get worse before it gets better. These people are going to try all the same. So it's only a matter of time before they try to trot out a climate change emergency, because you really think like what they did for COVID, right? Like how they, oh, we're declared a, a national emergency. You've got to wear a mask because it protects you from COVID and, and not just you, but you protect yourself and you protect others. And you, they made you do that, made you wear that because of an emergency or something, even though it was completely and utterly ineffective. How long before they say climate change is an emergency? In fact, in fact, in fact, Biden just said that he already declared a national emergency because of climate change. 
Never mind the fact that climate change is not about the climate. It's about controlling you, every aspect of your life. So, of course, they'll try to use climate change and declare a climate emergency. But next thing you know, they'll be forcing you to wear some sun hat because, you know, UV rays are harmful. I mean, what's the difference between that and forcing you to wear a mask that's completely and totally ineffective? I mean, frankly, the hat might be more effective. But my point is these people are going to pull out all the stops. And the only thing that is stopping them, the only thing that is standing in their way, is you. And I've just told you three or four different ways that our government is weaponizing itself against the American people. Not only are they they're going after President Trump and trying to take him off the ballot. Like let me say that again. They're trying to remove President Trump from the ballot in critical swing states. Now, the irony of all this is that after the 2020 election, I knew something was wrong the math didn't add up. The math still doesn't add up because there were more votes than actual people who voted. And not, not now, not registered, not more votes than registered voters, more votes than people who voted in that election. The math still doesn't add up to this day. And that was made possible because of the no excuse mail in ballot law that was rammed down our throats in Pennsylvania in October of 2019, leading into the 2020 election. It basically allowed anybody who had never anybody to vote by mail with no excuse. Typically in, in the state of Pennsylvania, there are only four ways by law that you are allowed to vote absentee or by mail. And it had to be clear, like you had to be working on election day. You had to be sick. You had to be deployed, whatever. Those are the only four ways you had to do it. And then you had to go in, you had to show your ID, you had to apply for the ballot. They give, I mean, there's a whole process by, it. I mean, there was, there were guardrails, there was safety, there was security around those votes. And in the 2020 cycle, all of those guardrails were removed. It was the first time this program was implemented and to the great detriment of legal voters all over the state of Pennsylvania. And the, re the way I look at this is if somebody votes illegally, does that not disenfranchise your vote? Somebody who pays attention, who maybe works on Election Day, who maybe puts a sign in your yard, backs a candidate, gives money to a candidate. You, you cast your vote expecting it to be secure, but then some you know, political operative in a dark room that has a printer and a secrecy envelope with no signature verification, no no ID check, and just print out a ballot for somebody who's on the voter rolls. You know, put it put it in a Dropbox. That's an illegal vote that disenfranchises your vote. So I file. I challenged Act seventy seven, the law, in the wake of the twenty twenty election because Act seventy seven is brazenly unconstitutional. I mean, you you need literally a second grade reading level to figure this out for yourself. But the five two Democrat supermajority in the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, these are people that are supposed to be smart with like graduate degrees and stuff. I mean, I've got a graduate degree myself. I don't use it for anything, but I rely on my life experience and common sense a hell of a lot more than any education that I ever got. But these people who are sitting on the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they can't even read the plain language of the of the Constitution, the letter of the law as it stands today. They made up some BS legal justification for why Act 77 was constitutional. I mean, give me a break. The reason why I'm telling you this is that I challenged the, the election on a very, very rigorous constitutional basis. No, I wasn't talking necessarily about fraud. My point was, is that passing a law like that, that sets the conditions for fraud. Now, by the way, this isn't just me. This is 
The Carter Commission, Jimmy Carter, Democrat president, found that mail-in ballots were ripe for fraud. New York Times in 2012, every country in Europe, every Western country in Europe bans mail-in ballots for a propensity for fraud. It's not just me, uh, Democrats in the wake of uh, Trump's election in 2016, all of whom, you know, all of a sudden wanted paper ballots and loathed voting machines and complained about it every single day while Trump was president and how we needed to secure elections. It wasn't just Republicans who had issues with this. Democrats had issues with this, too. But my point is I challenged the election and the media, the media and Democrats immediately said I was trying to disenfranchise voters. They attacked my family. They attacked the lawyers who were on the case relentlessly, said that we were the ones disenfranchising voters. I raised my hand and I said, wait a second. Isn't it the people like the governor, the attorney general, all these people who, you know, foisted these last minute changes of election law on all the law abiding Pennsylvania. Aren't they the ones that are disenfranchising millions of voters? Yes, they are. You didn't hear hide or hair about the Democrat, about the media talking about that. But just because I simply wanted the constitution, I wanted it to be upheld. That may, that meant that I was disenfranchising. Do you see how that works? My point is they're trying to remove president Trump from the ballot. They're trying never been done before in American history. No legal precedent whatsoever. And you don't hear a peep from anyone in the media about how that's going to disenfranchise 75 million potential Republican voters, probably more. They want to they want to take away your right to choose who you're voting for. I mean, really think about that. The system in this country does not want you to be able to vote for the front-runner Republican candidate. Not, not front-runner by a little bit. By far and away, the guy who's going to win the primary, they want to take him off the ballot. You don't hear a peep about how they're, they're trying to disenfranchise voters or they're going to disenfranchise voters. In fact, what you hear is, Oh, this 14th Amendment lawsuit. Oh, my gosh. This is this is credible. This is a credible thing. And, and this is credible. That's all you hear. It's complete nonsense. And then you look at what they're doing with COVID. They're going to try to lock us down again. You look at what they're talking about with misinformation. They're going to talk about banning stories again. They're going to they're going to they've weaponized once trust, trusted institutions in this country, and they've done it against the American people. So the real question is, what are we going to do about it? I mean, frankly, folks, that's why this show exists. That's why you're watching it. Because it's not just about, you know, talk. I've run for office twice. You know, I've volunteered in politics at the local, state, and federal level, going back to all the way to 2012. Even helped local candidates get signatures on their petitions to get them on the ballot. I started out this show saying it's going to get bad. We can't be we, we can't be half in this fight. I'm ending this show in the same way. Yes, things are going to get difficult. Yes, things are terrible right now and they're probably going to get worse. But you can't fall out of the march. One foot in front of the other. Yes, it's going to suck. Yes, the government will could could come after you. Yes, your friends might not always like what you have to say. Yes, there might be consequences for it. But this country and everything that we stand for, everything that we hold dear, everything is just so thinly balanced on a nice edge right now. 
I mean, do you feel secure in your future? Do you feel like your kids are going to inherit a country that's free? Do you feel like America is in late stage decline? Like our nation is crumbling? It sure as hell seems like that's exactly what Joe Biden is intent on doing in these Democrats is bringing America to her knees. Well, the open borders nonsense, the war on law enforcement, deliberate, what seems to be deliberate wrecking of our economy and just brazenly gaslighting the American people about it day in and day out in the press room with a media that's wholly willing just to lap all that BS up, not report the truth. Things in this country are in a bad place right now. And the only check and balance on that, and I mean the only check and balance on that is you. No one else is going to do it for you. The media is not going to tell you the truth. Government probably doesn't like you. In fact, many of the institutions are weaponized against you right now. But this country needs you. It needs you to stay in that march. Never quit. Never surrender. I just want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. This country needs you now more than ever before. And so, sorry about some of the technical issues that we had today with Rumble coming into the show. Um, hopefully, we got it all worked out for you. Um, as always, you know, thanks to our sponsors, Deepwell and Cabot. We have so many exciting things coming in the future. Really, we do. I mean, this show gets bigger every single week in part because of you. So help us share the show on social media. Make sure you tag me so I see it. I will 100% share your post. If you want to rock the Battleground Apparel Company, that's that we're, we just started this, this, this apparel company for freedom. It, people who love this country, people who believe in the greatness of America, all this stuff is at officialshawnparnell.com. We're selling through the Do Not Comply shirts really, really, really fast. All the shirts, really. We have a new order coming in this week, so you can get all that stuff on officialshawnparnell.com. Uh, but help, please be an ambassador for Battleground Live because you know we need your help. And of course, there are always technical issues. You know, I'm still a total noob at this stuff. I mean, that's what the kids say. My kids call me a noob when I play any new video game with them. Um, but there are going to be issues with technology. That's why it's so important for you to subscribe to this channel. It's free. You know, we're doing everything that we can to bring in sponsors. We don't want our, we, you know, we want to we want to have great partners and sponsors, but we want to be able to bring you this show for free. And so subscribe to the program. So even if there are technical issues, you'll still get a notification when we go live. It's complete. It's completely free to do that. Um, and again, help spread the word about Battleground Live to your friends and family. We need the help. I mean, this is this is and always will be a grassroots movement. I mean, that's really any any movement that's worthwhile is is a grassroots movement. It's by and for the people. You know, that's why we the people is really just right at the top of of our of of the constitution of the bill of rights and so um that's what the show is always will always be about it is for you and it will be free so as always thank you for joining us don't fall out of that march stay in the fight one foot in front of the other never quit never surrender god bless you all thanks for watching battleground live and god bless this exceptional country that we live in take care
new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at avalonwaterways.com. Avalon is cruising elevated. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.